You're about to listen to an episode of Childhood Remastered. Check out our website at childhoodremastered.com for information on how to subscribe and where to find us on social media. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Childhood Remastered. This is the podcast where we look back on the cartoons and TV shows and movies and whatnot of our youth and see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case, but I don't know if it's the case with the show that we're reviewing today. We'll see. Yeah, I'm Sean. And I'm Chris. And today's episode, we are going to be looking at ch 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 Dale's Rescue Rangers. So, first off, did you watch this show when you were younger? Fuck yes. <laughs> <laughs> this show was one of the original four uh, Disney Afternoon shows. Uh, yes. It came, this is the third in our Disney Afternoon series. It came third. Um, it aired August 27, 1988, and it premiered with a two-hour movie special called Rescue Rangers to the Rescue, which is not something that we watch today. It ended up getting broken up into a five-part series and, and it's, it's weird, yeah. The, the production of those episodes was the first five episodes, obviously. It was a TV movie. And they ended up getting, getting broadcast like, in, like, the second season. Yeah, mid-season two, which throws the actual, like, if you're trying to look up when episodes come out, it throws everything off. Yeah. Uh, so you watched the last the show, episode though, right? aired in 1990. And, oh, yes, I watched it. So DuckTales is, holds a very special place in my heart. But Rescue Rangers is weird. I, I have... I have some like weirdly vivid memories of Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Actually, my growing up, my grandparents on my mom's side were within a five minute walk from my house. All growing up, mm -hmm. and they lived across the street from my elementary school. And so sometimes when I would get out of school at my elementary school, we would sneak over to Grandma and Grandpa's house, and before we would come home. And my mom would then wonder why we were not home, call my grandma and grandpa, find out that we were there watching cartoons, and then <laughs> make us walk home. Uh, and one of the shows that we would watch was Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And so we would come over to grandma's house, because I had three cousins who also lived with my grandparents that uh, were all similar age. And so the six of us would all, we grandma would get us a snack, and we'd all pile in front of the TV together. And watch Rescue Rangers. That's a good grandma. Oh, yeah. No, I, I had awesome <laughs> grandparents. Uh, my grandfather's still alive, and he is super awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I told Sean a story kind of off thing. I, yeah, he's pretty awesome. He, um, an, he sounds yeah. like an awesome guy. Yeah. So, But I have really distinct memories of watching Rescue Rangers um, with my cousins, and then also playing the games mm -hmm. with them at their house. They owned the first game, and that's actually where I played the game, was at their house they had a, a second TV set up, like, in the kitchen, and that was their video game TV that the kids would use. Interesting. And, because uh, it was, like, sort of the kitchen dining area that, uh, like, we'd all, us kids would all get, like, folding chairs and sit up on folding chairs in the kitchen, like, kind of facing the wall. It had this TV up and a, entertain, a little entertainment cabinet for us to play video games. Ah. Basically, it was a way for the the... Old retired people to watch the news in the living room and for us to get to play video games. So it was like a perfect setup. Yeah. Uh, I, but I have a lot of distinct memories about Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I do too. Um, when I was when I was younger, probably like fourth grade, third grade, because that's around the time this show came out, my mom owned a preschool in Fullerton. And she had a uh, sort of separate room it was at it was at a the property of like an anglican church and there was a separate room that i was able to use when i when i got done at school that was sort of separated off back behind the playground and in that room it had this like black and white tv that i used to like i would do homework and i'd watch tv so i watched the old batman series when it was played on reruns but i would watch chippendale's rescue rangers i watched disney afternoon there and so i I have a lot of memories of just sort of like hanging out after school. I would watch it by myself because like I was the only, I'm very far removed from my, uh, from my brother and sister. 
they're like six and eight years younger than me. So I would be watching it by myself. But I really like the show. And I played the games too for Nintendo. I had the, I had the first game for Nintendo uh, when it came out. And the theme song for this show is probably one of the more memorable ones that I remember. Like, it's... It's, it's super catchy. It is, and and it's one of those ones, kind of like Ducktales, in that I know all the yeah, words. Yeah, I do too. I have made the suggestion, but I in the past, but I was shot down. I, I really, <laughs> I want Sean and I to, to attempt to sing one of these for, uh, theme songs from memory with no looking at anything. Uh, I could probably do Chip. I could probably do Chip and Dale. <laughs> this one is one of the one. If you were gonna do it, this would be one to do. I, I think it would be fun. Actually, maybe we should do karaoke and do a maybe uh, a drink along to a kids theme music. It'd be kind of fun. Uh, so this show, the, the Chip and Dale Rescue Ranger show, is the seasons are weird. There's 65 episodes total, and the season one is 13 episodes. Season two, 47. Season three is five. Yeah, and it's really, it usually, if you've been following us, usually the first season of a cartoon is usually the the, uh, the, the most episodes. It's like 65 episodes typically because they do them all in one big bulk and then they release them. And that's how you can get episodes released out of production order because then the company gets a hold of all those episodes and just, and just decides like, okay, we're going to do this one and this one and this one and then this one and then... Like, go all the way to the end and do this one, and it ends up screwing it up, which is what they did here. Yeah. And the, this, the show did end up going into, uh, like, syndication later. It, it did reruns on the Disney afternoon lineup until 93. So, because they had enough episodes. So, 65 episodes is kind of the threshold for animated shows. Yeah. To get into syndication. So, you know, they, they, they had enough, and so they were good to go. But before we start, what, what are we drinking today? Well, I'm still drinking because I'm not drinking beer. I'm still finishing off my giant bottle of Johnny Walker Black. And a little still, bit of ice and a little bit of water. And I'm still drinking the 12-year Glenlivet because uh, if Sean's not drinking beer, neither am I. And, I, uh, and let, let me tell you that I really, really like beer. But I yeah, also, I do too. But I also want to lose weight for the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I drink beer because I like the taste. Yeah, and if there was no alcohol involved, it'd be I would fine. probably still drink it. The oh, problem, yeah. the problem is, is that each beer is like three hundred calories. Yeah, well, the kind of beers we're drinking. Yeah, you know? and I tend to drink beer like I drink water or soda. So I'll drink three or four or five or seven or ten or twelve of them, and I'll be not fine at twelve, but I can drink that many, and that's just lots and lots of calories. Yeah, I this mean, has been Sean and Chris on beer diets or something. I all know. beer diet all the time. Yeah, that's how you get the ladies. <laughs> so this show, who it was the the same creator as um, um, Darkwing Duck, Darkwing Duck, right? Tad Stones, uh, who I think we mentioned last week a little bit. Yeah, right? he um, produced the Gummy Bears, Aladdin, a newer show, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. And uh, his latest project is storyboard artist for Bob's Burgers. And I think I mentioned that when we did Darkwing Duck. Yeah, I love that show uh, so Bob's much. Bob's Burgers is genius. I have the cookbook, the the one that the fan came up with. He watched a bunch of Bob's Burgers. Yeah, new because yeah. there's a new burger every episode. Yeah, I have a, a, a good close friend of mine who actually got me the, the cookbook. It's, it's so awesome. Uh, he, he also served as executive producer on Hercules Animated Series. Uh, 2003's uh, Atlantis uh, Milo's Return. Yeah, the directed DVD sequel. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And then it was also created, the show was also co-created uh, and produced by Alan Zasloff, uh, who did The Smurfs, 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. I want us to do that really bad. That show is so weird, and I think it's Vincent Price's last thing that he did before he died. It's possible, but it's weird. I want to watch it. Uh, he did GoBots, Snorks. The 85 Jetsons Revival, Pound Puppies, and uh, Galtar and the Golden Lance. Okay, I knew all of those except for that last one. Galtar and the Golden Lance is uh, it's an animated futuristic show with this... And I remember it, watching it as a kid. It, it was from 85 to 86. It's a Hanna-Barbera show. Uh, I'm just going to show you a picture of it, see if you remember. Oh, I recognize the horse. Yeah, so it's this guy with a golden lance and he rides on a mechanical horse. It it reminds yeah. me of The Shining Knight from DC. Yeah, so it's something bit. we can watch in the future. Uh, theme music is Mark uh, Mueller, who we have to mention, but we've already mentioned him because he did DuckTales' theme song. Yeah, and so the probably two of the catchier theme songs from children's animation, and they're both from the same guy. Yeah, basically. Let's talk about the characters and the cast. Because the cast themselves, I mean, the, the characters themselves 
are about as interesting as the people who play them, Yeah, I for, think, right? Like, first off, I know we're going to get into them in detail, but first off, it, I think it's important to note that the show is called Chip and Dale. So it's obviously centers around Chip and Dale, the Disney chipmunks. The classic Disney chipmunks from the 40s. And I think it's, I honestly, I think it's really interesting that they built a show around what it, what were essentially two sort of mischievous side characters yeah. from, from, yeah, you're right, like 1940s and 50s uh, Disney shorts, like theatrical shorts, usually involving like Pluto or Donald, usually. Yeah. And usually Donald. Yeah. And they served as a, they served as just sort of like playful antagonists that were doing something to like screw up. They remind me of of the classic, uh, Twilight Zone, uh, Gremlin, right? Like the idea of the, of the Gremlin, not, not like the 1980s film Gremlin, but the The Gremlin on the wing. Yeah. The Gremlin on the wing, that kind of Gremlin. Do you know that that episode was featured a very young Will Shatner? Oh yes, I know. (laughs) I love me the Shatner. Yeah. Billy Shatner. Uh, but Shatner yeah. and I share the same birthday, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. That's I'm proud. <laughs> proud. Who? Not just Shatner, but also uh, his character, Kirk. Oh, ha- has the same birthday. How convenient. Yeah. So if it, you know, if you guys want to look that up and send me a birthday present next year. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so Chip and Dale are these like essentially side characters. It'd be like, I guess it'd be like if they took a if they took like. Horace Horsecollar and made him the main character of a new show. Like, yeah, it's like very weird. Like, and and up until this point, Chip and Dale, up until nineteen, when did you say eighty eight? Like, Chip and Dale hadn't been in a Disney theatrical short in some like thirty years before yeah, this show. Yeah. So they they took these obscure, I mean, relatively obscure well, characters that hadn't been used in thirty years. A little side note: so it's nothing in the notes. I just know this because I'm weird. Chip and Dale are wildly popular in Japan. Insanely popular over there. Or at least they were. Uh, to the point where if you went and bought Chip and Dale memorabilia at Disneyland, you could you could have sold it on eBay for four times what you purchased it for in the park. Crazy um, Japanese. Yeah, they love Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. And they have lots of merchandise about those characters that you can't find here. Only there. Weird. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, no. Trust me, it's it's crazy how much like Chip and Dale are big. Chip and Dale are as big in Disneyland as Mickey Mouse traditionally was big here. Huh. They were sort of like the de facto Disney face. I will so, say, I will in a way, it kind of makes sense that they had their own show. Yeah, I, I will say that uh, I knew some people that worked at Disneyland because we both grew up in Southern California. Yeah, yeah. So you, yeah, inevitably, I do too. I do too. You yeah. inevitably run into people My that dad worked did, actually for Disneyland. Yeah. So. I actually dated a girl for a little bit who uh, played Chip and she played Chip and Ordale because she was very short because you you had to be she called it being monk sized, uh, chipmunk sized because people who were a certain height were allowed to play characters like the dress up characters so it's Chip Dale Mickey and Minnie they're all the same height the characters are yeah uh, the, in the costumes so she said that playing Chip and Dale was always really fun because. When you play Gaston, you can kind of be a bastard to people, and it's in your character. And when you play Captain Hook, you can be an asshole because it's in your character. I guess playing Chip and Dale, they're like little punks. They're like mischievous and thieves and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so, so you that get you, to do that. So you get to do that. So whenever whenever they would do like the um, the Disney breakfast, because they do that at the at the Disneyland hotels and on like the cruises and stuff, they have the breakfasts with the Disney characters. Yeah, the um the 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 character brunch. Yeah, yeah. So. If you were playing Chip or Dale, you could steal food from people, like steal cookies. Yeah. And... Oh, yeah. You'll you'll <laughs> see in the park that Chip and Dale will like do uh, like rabbit ears behind people. Yeah. Uh, or they'll like um, like kind of pretend to steal their purse and all kinds of yeah. this stuff because they can. But so let's talk about Chip and Dale then. So so Chip uh, in this show, he's the sort of de facto leader of the Rescue Rangers, and he's loosely modeled on Indi- on Indiana Jones. He's got a fedora. And a bomber jacket. So either he's Indiana Jones or he's... He could be Doc Savage. Oh, no. See, I was going to say he's a neckbeard. <laughs> <laughs> My lady. <laughs> My gadget. <laughs> My gadget. <laughs> so that's funny that you mentioned that because Chip is uh, kind of into gadget. Uh, he and Dale both have a crush on gadget. Yeah. And uh, Chip has a lasso that he uses a lot to swing from place to place. Yeah, he uses um, ropes and, and twine and whatnot. He's sort of serious and has this... Um, he has the most sense of responsibility, but he also kind of doesn't know how to f- have fun. He's also kind of... he He's a, a spoil sport. 
Yeah, and it's it's really different from his original because the the original characters of Chip and Dale were very similar. Like they they just sort of were mischievous. And, well, and if you watch closely, Chip is technically the one who's sort of more the brains of the operation. Yeah, he a is. a little bit, a little bit. But they both they both just like having fun and, and are mischievous. And, and I want to say Dale was definitely supposed to be the goofier one. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and that's that remains true in in this iteration. And it's voiced by Tress McNeil through some some creative. Uh, High pitching. I don't know how they do it, but how many times have we talked about Tress McNeil here? I mean, she's in everything. Uh, Dot, she's the current voice of Daisy Duck. Agnes Skinner from The Simpsons. Mom from Futurama. I mean, she's just done just a ridiculous amount of stuff. Yeah. Okay, so I looked it up because so Chip and Dale had this song that they used to sing. And it like you talking about Chip being the brains of the operation when they were back when they were in the shorts. Uh-huh. So they had a they had a song that they would sing, and I couldn't remember all of it, but I just looked it up, so it went Remember that? <laughs> no. It's out, it's the song that they would do at the beginning of like the Chippendale short. Oh, like the uh the Donald Duck kind of um Who Donald... gets stuck with all, all the bad luck. luck. No, no one, one. <laughs> but Donald Duck. Duck. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh no, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh Dale, uh the brother, uh co-founder of the Rescue Rangers, he's basically uh Magnum PI. Red and yellow Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, no, um, that's exactly who he is. It, it's it's so funny, and he and you're Thomas right. Magnum. Yeah, he is he is absolutely like the goof off, not serious. Like he co-founds the Rescue Rangers, but he almost does it more out of just like he wants to have fun and go on adventures. Yeah, he spends a lot of his free time playing comic books, video games, watching um, TV. He's a candy addict. He, in fact, he's like really into. Cho- he has like chocolate attacks, kind of like Monterey Jack's uh, cheese attacks. Um, Which is chocolate good for chipmunks? Uh, I don't know if any of what they eat is good for chipmunks in the show. Dale is definitely the more fun-loving of the two, but it also means he gets them into stuff. Yeah, he gets them all into trouble. A lot more often. So, he is, however, like, ridiculous, like ridiculously creative. Yeah. Because, um, like, he'll build his own gadgets and do all kinds of crazy stuff. He... he he built this like gadget based on one of his favorite movie characters in this episode called Double uh, O Chipmunk, and he built the the device in like a couple of hours. Yeah, so like it's ridiculous. And uh, Dale's voiced by uh, Corey Burton, and we mentioned him a couple of weeks ago in our coverage of Gummy Bears as the replacement of Bill Scott for Gruffy Gummy when Bill Scott died. He's currently the voice of Ludwig von Drake and Captain Hook. And a bunch of other characters for other projects. Brainiac and the DC Animated Universe. Yeah, and like so. I said, both of these characters, both Chip and Dale, Tress McNeil and Corey Burton, they're they're put through like a audio ringer to make their to pitch their voices up. Maybe. No, I they, don't know about have, Dale. I think I think he's pitched up a little bit. He has yeah, to be. His voice be. is really high. Could be. Chips is really, really high. It's definitely put through something, but Yeah. Mm. Now Monterey Jack. Monterey Jack. You will never guess if you didn't think about it. If you had to think back about Monterey Jack, ooh, that rhymed. If you think back about Monterey Jack to the show, and you think about his voice, I bet you don't remember who did his voice. And I'm not. Oh, yeah, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to you out there. Now so, it's it's funny because we were talking about this when we were grabbing lunch earlier, and I can hear it, and and you did. But uh, we've done how many now? This is. This is episode, what, 48? Yep. We're episode 48 now. And so the voice, the, the vo- original voice and the replacement voice yeah. are voices that we have heard so many times now. Yeah. That, like, you hear it and you go, oh, that's so-and-so. And you're just like, you know exactly what they are. Yeah, um, so the original voice of Monterey Jack for the first three seasons of the show was Peter Cullen, also known as Optimus Prime. Autobots, transform and roll out. And he also voiced Nintendo's mascot Mario in the Donkey Kong segments on the Saturday Supercade. Oh, 
So that makes him the first person to ever provide a voice for the character Mario. Oh. He's also Sergeant Havoc in Rambo, The Force of Freedom. Um, <laughs> uh, Eddie, uh, one of the main characters from uh, the uh, Ghostbusters animated show. Not the real Ghostbusters, but the oh. one with the monkey and the jalopy. Filmations, and Filmations yeah. Ghostbusters. Apparently he did a show called uh, Saber Rider and the Star Sheriffs that I have never heard of. I've heard of it. But after watching the intro, I must watch it. And I sent you... Uh, do you remember? Yeah, yeah you did. I, so when I did the... I when I did the notes for this, I did it a couple weeks ago, actually. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. like several weeks ago, because uh, we life got busy, so I decided to front load the work. And and so when I was doing the notes for this, I, I sent him a link. It's like I must watch this. It's so <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, and he's the voice of Gunner from Dino Riders, which is the character that I remember him from. Now I'm not even gonna mention what Jim Cummings has done because we're gonna talk about him next week. Because he's Don Carnage. We're also going to talk about him later in this episode. But That's also true. Let's talk about Monty. So Monty is... Is he a mouse or is he a rat? He's a I mouse, right? I, I think he's a big mouse. I don't know what he is. I think he's a mouse. He's an, a large, mustachioed Australian mouse. Yeah. Um, too right! Apparently he spent years traveling the world before uh, meeting Chip and Dale. Yeah, and he um, talks about that too. It's one of the things that he does. He's like... He's like yeah, this reminds me of a time when I was out drinking something or other with some wallabies and blah, it's like blah, a, blah, 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 like, Borneo. Yeah, he has, a, he has a story for every situation and, and experience in every kind of scenario they find themselves in. Yeah, Fat Cat, who's like the main villain that reoccurs in this show, mm -hmm. destroys his house. And yeah, that's, that's in that first five episode. That get put into season two for some weird reason. Um, yeah, Monty has a, he has a, uh, What's the word? He likes obsession. Obsession. I was gonna say he likes cheese a whole lot to the point where he loses control of himself. His mustache twirls and goes into yeah. like a into like balls, and he literally floats along the aroma of the cheese. Cheese. No, yeah. he loses his ever loving shit for cheese, and, and it's, it's, it's a it plot to problem. Yeah, it's a plot device where he'll get caught because he gets he gets wafted over on the cheese scent, and. They either have to get him away from it because he's going to give away their location or he gets captured or something. And then he's really quick to like, like, oh, sorry, guys. Well, the other thing that he does, like you mentioned how he always tells these like weird stories, but he also uses these like weird pseudo Australianisms. Uh, like he'll say things like, strike me stocks. Yeah. What? For, like what, uh, that means nothing. I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah. I mean, I get the sentiment. Thank you, Monterey Jack. But, yeah. So if, uh, if Chip's the leader... And Dale is the comic relief. Jack is the, the muscle. Jack is the muscle. He's yeah, he's easily supposed to be stronger than everybody else, but he's also quick to anger. He also sees Gadget as a sort of like surrogate daughter. Because he was friends with Gadget's dad, I yeah, think. Yeah, he was. So um, she's like a niece to him almost. And he also usually travel uh, handles traveling arrangements for the group. Yeah. Um, so let's mention Gadget then, uh, his surrogate daughter. Yep. She is the pilot, the mechanic, and the inventor, and more or less the brains of the operation. She yep. has a blue uh, jumpsuit and goggles and long blonde hair. And her dad is a deceased inventor and aviator, Giga Hackwrench. Yep. And uh, may I just mention, Gadget is the only person here with a last name. Is Monterey Jack his last Jack name? Jack is because sometimes he'll just go by Jack. Sometimes he'll just go by Monterey. But Monterey Jack, uh, I I'm pretty sure Jack's not his last name. But she's the only one with a real last name. No, oh, that's weird. Yeah, I will say I have to say this, and I'm sure I'm not the only one out here. I do not like how Gadget made me attracted to an animated mouse. I think you may be alone there. No, I did, I did not have no, that problem. No, just search gadget on uh, search gadget on any kind of internet forum. Search gadget rule thirty four. Oh okay. god! No. <laughs> like, and this is the thing. This is the thing about Disney. And I think I I think I sent this to you a little bit earlier. Is like yeah, since it, what, since a couple like, days ago. Yeah, right? since nineteen seventy, Disney's been making anthropomorphic animals attractive, and I don't like it. Yeah, no. Since, it's since the since the Robin the animated Robin Hood movie. Oh, May Marion. Yeah, mm -hmm. like come on. And, yeah. Oh, yep. And then you got Gadget. You've got the little. Uh, you've got the little bat later on in the episode that I chose. True. You've got you've got like like weird characters from Darkwing Duck. You've got like the characters from Tailspin. It's like, come on, I don't want to be attracted to animals. I yeah, it's. I it's, can't control it. It makes me icky. It makes uh, me feel weird. So, 
our super sexy gadget hacks, uh, <laughs> hack wrench, um, she has this like ability to take discarded unrelated items and invent basically anything with them, and she could do it in seconds. Yeah, she she's um, a she's a trash master. She attributed attributes it to the fact that she has a quote mind bashingly high IQ. So she gets easily bored, which is partially why she's inventing stuff all the time. But if you watch the opening credits where they're in the um, the ranger, two the, the ranger plane, no, well, that's the they actually have a ranger plane later. Oh, that's um, right. But that's what the different thing. This one is the first ranger plane that looks like a the could, suction cup feet with a two liter bottle cut open on the yeah, side and the, and the balloon and the seats in it and the a hot air balloon and it's got flapping wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then they've got the um, the gadget. Car, the gadget go cart, whatever it is. Is that the one with the fan? Yeah, it's the, got a hair dryer on the back yeah. of a skateboard. Um, yeah, she invents all kinds of weird stuff. But I don't know. I think they're. I always liked her inventions. I thought they were really cool. No, they were, and they were they they were very much suction cup oriented. A lot of them. Yeah, which gets all kinds of weird now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so again, voiced by Tress McNeil. Um, but her her personality gadgets was based upon the invented female character Jordan in the 85 movie Real Genius. If you ever saw Real Genius. I, you know what? I, I'm positive I have. I just can't remember. But you know what she also reminds me of? If you've ever played... Um, if you've ever played uh, Fallout 3? Oh, yeah, yeah. In Megaton? With Megaton, the, uh, yeah. The, the, the girl in Megaton who uh, makes you go on the quest to create the, 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 the survival guide yeah the wasteland survival guide yeah that's what she reminds me of i can't remember her name but uh yeah no, exact, molly? i know exactly molly i know exactly who you're talking yeah, about yeah, it, yeah. Does, it doesn't matter but um zipper is the the last main character of of the rescue rangers dimension uh he's a housefly and he's tiny kind of a bluish green uh monterey jacks sidekick he usually does like all the little jobs that the rest of the rangers won't or can't he speaks this like weird unintelligible buzzing noise but, like, in later episodes, if you watch season three, he starts to actually talk, which is yeah. kind of odd. He seems to show these, like, although Monterey Jack's supposed to be, like, the strong man, Zipper does things that are, it sort of exceeds the strength of uh, Chip of and Dale. Of Well, Chip and Dale. Yeah. And then uh, I just wanted to mention the uh, the main villain, Fat Cat. He's this felonious, uh, obese, gray tabby cat. And um, he's essentially like a like a a, a mob boss. He's, he's a he's a mafioso. He used to be owned by a criminal named Aldrin Clordane, uh, and he became an independent agent when uh, that uh, owner went to jail. Which was so, which was I part think, of the part opening. of the original five, yeah, the five episode arc or whatever. Yeah, and, um, and uh, Fat Cat is voiced by Jim Cummings in a very over the top like oh like. The Rescue Rangers. The poor child. At the end of a rope. With no one to save her. But this poor excuse for man's best friend. It's bad enough that he has a bird for a sidekick. But to make a hero out of a dog. How revolting. Yeah. It's, I kind of, I like his voice. I I do too. I really like his fat cat voice. So, we have an option now. We can go two directions. Do oh. you want to talk about the show or do you want to talk about some of the other stuff? Let's talk about the show. Let's talk about the episodes that we picked. Okay. So normally we would do like the first couple episodes of the show. Yeah, normally we do the first, the last 20-something episodes, the, of, for the last 20-something podcasts that we've done, we cover the first three and then we each pick an episode. Yeah, and we sort of changed it up in this one. We, we did. The Disney ones and the Nickelodeon yeah. ones because these were so iconic that we kind of wanted basically we're selfish and what we really wanted was we wanted more episodes of our choosing yeah so, so, we, so picked, we did we picked our own episodes we each picked two and i guess we'll start with yours yeah we can start with mine so i the first episode i picked is called flash the wonder dog it's not necessarily a high rated episode or anything but it is uh season one episode four and it was a uh, an episode about this TV superhero like kid show that's a it's a dog that has powers called like Flash a, the Wonder Dog. It's like a mix between like yeah. Lassie and Superman. Yeah, and uh, Dale idolizes him and thinks that Flash is real, uh, like a real actual superhero. And Chip is more than happy to ruin his illusions because Dale is kind of a bumbling idiot. Hey, what you do rap for? You're too wrapped up in that show. What do you mean? Flash is the greatest hero that ever was. He's just an actor. 
even Flash the Wonder Dog has a stunt double, which yeah. I thought was like kind of funny. I <laughs> when they showed that scene, I, I I laughed out loud. Yeah. Um, Fat Cat gets all of his henchmen to dress up like Flash the Wonder Dog, and then they go out and commit what's really a bunch of just mild annoyances, like yeah, petty crimes and not, sometimes like not even petty crimes. Many many of these are misdemeanors at worst. Yeah. Like the one that the one that uh, does Fat Cat do the one with the with the uh, cement truck? Yes. So yeah, fat, the only one that's really that bad is Fat Cat. Fat Cat like destroys property. Yeah, property damage. That was the only one that I mentioned. I was like, okay, that's kind of like not good. Yeah, but, but he does it because he hates the idea of a dog being a hero because he's a cat, and Fat Cat's like, fuck that. There's so basically they go on this on this journey. The the rescue rangers do to try and DB smirch the Wonder Dog name and to save him from Fat Cat. Because uh, he gets kidnapped by Fat Cat. Yes. And the actor who plays Flash is basically afraid of heights and generally everything, um, which destroys Dale's worldview. Oh, yeah. He comes face to face with his hero and realizes he's a fraud. And so yeah. Dale is just, he's, he's absolutely de- destroyed. What's the matter with him? I guess he's just a little disappointed. You see, you're his hero. He really looked up to you, mate. And I let him down. Sorry, little fella, but I'm no hero. I, I'm just a TV actor. So there's this part, the part that I remember, and maybe this is the part that I remember that like said, okay, this is an episode you remember. Let's do this one. There's this part where the entire thing ends up being a ploy to get rid of Flash the Wonder Dog from television, but the studio just ends up announcing that they'll replace him with a bird named Conrad. And they end up like chasing, uh, there's this kind of like chasing each other through the studio and there is this great reference. I don't know if you picked it up to Mister Wizard. Oh yeah, no, no absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because so, they, so they run through different studios in the TV station. Yes. Well, Jeff, what say today we learn how pulleys and levers work? Ah, oh, gee, Mister Wizard, I was hoping you'd teach us how to make plastic explosives with household detergents. <laughs> Which, to Which be fair, is all I wanted to learn from Mister Wizard. Is all I wanted to learn too. Uh, Mr. Wizard, for those of you who don't know, was a uh, early morning kid show. Educational where, show. Yeah, educational show. I remember watching it on Nickelodeon with like an old man teaching science to a bunch of kids like in his basement. It was kind of creepy actually now that I think about it. I never yeah. thought about it, but no, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. But So they save, uh, they save Flash the Wonder Dog. The Rescue Rangers give Flash a Rescue Ranger badge and kind of make him an honorary member to make him yeah, feel Yeah, I also like how um, Chip pulls that shit like out of his jacket. Like it's a huge badge compared to Chip. And he pulls it out of his jacket to it's give it massive. to Flash. Yeah, it's like a normal size badge if you were like a normal, like maybe 50 cent, doll, you know, Eisenhower dollar sized badge Yeah, for like a human. But like pulling that out of a chipmunk, it's like half his body size. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. So do you want to talk about my next episode or do you want to talk about, yeah, let's do one of mine. So my episode, season two, episode 14, The Case of the Cola Cult. Now... I have to say, when I picked this episode, I had no idea that it was the top-rated episode for the series. According to IMDb, it is the highest-rated episode for Rescue Rangers. I also had no idea that it was a top pick in pretty much every fan site. Uh, I picked it because I remember this episode clearly, and because I remember it being funny as a kid, and as an adult, it did not disappoint. (laughs) Not yeah, at all. I do remember this episode before I watched it, and it was mostly the songs. The song, the the, the stupid cola cult song is what reminded me of it. Come along, you belong, feel the fizz of Coca-Cola. Just, it's a cola for making you proud. <laughs> God, it gets so just, ridiculous. Just the idea of building a cult of belonging around a soda commercial. It's, okay, so here's the story yeah. about this episode. There is a cult devoted to soda pop in what equates to a recycling center. Yeah. And Gadget has invented something that sort of goes wrong. This shit happens, you know. Tends to happen with her. Yeah. And they stumble into this place and they arrive just in time for the ceremony, which the ceremony for the Coca-Cola cult is just a VHS of a cola commercial. And the cult all wear white robes with bowl cuts and sneakers and they sing along to it, sipping and passing along cups of nondescript soda. Very Jonestown-esque. <laughs> oh my god, crazy. Come along, you belong, feel the 
making you proud. Take another sip and be one of the crowd. Feel the tears of Coca-Cola. Come along, you belong. Feel the fears of Coca-Cola. Get to the store and take all you can carry. When we got the flavors. I love that it talks about coming along and you'll be long to Coke, uh, Cuckoo Cola and take another sip and be one of the crowd. I thought that the lyrics were really smart. We really like peer pressure. Come and drink this fucking soda. I was going to say drink the cyanide, but you yeah. know, because uh, that's the whole thing. It's like, it's a, it's a, they call themselves the, the cola cult. They yeah. themselves call themselves usually, usually a cult group will not refer to themselves as a cult because a cult the word cult has a very negative connotation but so they're they very proud of it oh yeah like, oh we are the cola cult yeah they're just devoted to soda which is very weird they give up all their worldly possessions mm-hmm. uh and one of the mice turns to them and asks them if they're going to uh quote take the soda shower and i was like is this like a weird sexual thing <laughs> the golden shower. uh what uh yeah, so... They- so and, and Monty responds with, uh, you've got to be pulling me tail. And so they, they... they It turns out that the guy who runs the cult, he's also cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. And he fully buys into his craziness. But his henchman, the main henchman, does not. His name is Bubbles. Bubbles. And, and he's a huge, overly muscled mouse. And the whole thing is him kind of running a scam to get money. Exactly. So, as is most cults want, and Gadget at some point joins the cult. Yeah, because her inventions don't go right, and she feels worthless. Yeah, she feels like she doesn't have a place in the Rescue Rangers so, because her inventions keep failing. Yeah, at some point she joins the Cuckoo Cola cult. But she tries to, and then she realizes that it's not for her. Yeah. Come along, you'll belong. Feel the fizz. Please, Gadget, you've got to give the cola cult more time. It's no use. My fizz is fizzled. I'm afraid this isn't going anywhere. No, but you are. And their their kind of goofy cult leader uh, apparently wasn't aware that that there was like a you know a dude stealing all the money. I like this episode also not just because of the, like the weird like cultish un- uh, undertones, but also because her inventions are cool. Yeah, she episode. she goes all Rambo at the end when she realizes yeah. that when she realizes that uh, Chip and Dale and Monty and the guy Myron has been captured, she goes super Rambo and creates like a tank out of the out of the invention that failed before. So she makes a tank. She has all these like suction cup weapons, and she goes. And battles the big muscular uh, henchman, and she beats him. Yeah, and, and it's I I just I think that's maybe why I picked it is uh, I didn't actually remember the song. Come along, you belong. Such a weird song for a soda. Commercial. And you know what? Since I watched the episode, the song has been in my head ever since. Oh, it worked then. It did, yeah. it did its job. <laughs> I was the. I have a refrigerator out of my garage. It kind of crapped out, and so Joy and I were shopping. We were sort of shopping for a new one the other day, yesterday. Actually, oh, the beer fridge crapped out. Yeah, the beer fridge crapped out. Ooh. So I know. Uh, so I was out trying to find another, just like a cheap, like five hundred dollar refrigerator or something. So like I was out looking at refrigerators, and I was walking through like these aisles of refrigerators and like a Sears outlet, and my. And I'm singing this song, and my wife's like, what are you singing? It's like, it's a Coca-Cola, it's a fake Coca-Cola jingle for an animated show. She's like, you watch too many cartoons. <laughs> you know what, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit, because I came to the same conclusion this weekend. Well, to be fair, you've been watching a lot of Ghostbusters recently. I have so. been. Uh, maybe you want to talk about yours. Let's talk about mine. So the first episode that I did, I actually picked two episodes from season two, unbeknownst to myself. I was trying to remember episodes and I was like going through episode lists and looking at the description and like finding, finding which ones seemed familiar. So these two were like ones that stood out. So my first episode was season two, episode 34. It's a bird. It's insane. It's Dale. And so this movie actually has a very similar plot to the movie Meteor Man, if you've ever seen that shitty-ass movie. Oh, yes. With uh, with Eddie Murphy. Is that Eddie Murphy? No, it was not Eddie Murphy. It wasn't? Nope. 
Who was it? I don't remember his name, but it was not Eddie Murphy. It oh. escapes me at the moment. It's like because I think I watched me. I think I watched that movie once in the early nineties, and then that was it. So it I, was I, Eddie Murphy. Was oh, it? Robert Townsend. Oh, I was like, it wasn't Eddie Murphy. Yeah, it was uh, Robert Townsend. I think, I think, uh, Bill. Yeah, Bill Cosby was the villain, <laughs> as he is in life. <laughs> um, so, so what happens in the movie, or in the movie, what happens in the episode is that uh, a meteorite or something comes close to Earth, and they have this really weird sort of exchange between a bunch of scientists at the beginning, and one of them looks like Albert Einstein. They're all like German, and they're talking about this meteor shower that's going to happen, and how no meteors will come to Earth. <laughs> Just as you predicted, Dr. Hebelman, the alien meteor swarm is passing through our solar system and out the other side. Yeah, but how can we be sure it will miss Earth completely? According to the Minkoff equation? Fool on the Minkoff equation. My calculations show that the odds against the meteor hitting the Earth are... are astronomical. It will never happen. And even if a teeny tiny meteor does hit Earth, what could possibly be the harm? And of course a meteor comes to Earth and it breaks off. It hits something and breaks into two pieces. One goes into a building and then one hits Dale on yeah. the head. Yeah, Dale's out collecting. But doesn't kill Dale magically because that normally would kill him. But Yeah, and Dale's out... In fact, being... the rock would have passed through his body. Probably. No, it would have. It would yeah. have, yeah. Uh -huh. So Dale's out actually doing something that a chipmunk would do, which is collecting nuts. So he's collecting nuts, assuming to bring it back, and he gets hit by this meteor, and he finds out when he's in contact with the meteor that his body has taken on a rubbery, sub, like rubbery, he turns into essentially Plastic Man from DC. Yeah, and he decides he's going to be a superhero by reading 147 comic books. Yeah, and he makes his own, and this this speaks to his creativity, he makes his own costume. He calls himself Rubber Bando. Rubber Bando! And he goes and he starts fighting crime around the city as an as a chipmunk. As a chipmunk-sized chipmunk. He doesn't, like, inflate himself to a bigger size. He foils a bank robbery. He, he, he foils a cool purse abilities, though. He can fly like a flying squirrel. Like, he stretches himself out. Mm -hmm. He can turn himself into a giant spring and bounce around and fill his body up with water and put out fires. Turn his arms into wings and fly. He's bulletproof. Yep. Right? Uh, he can stretch himself and launch himself like a slingshot. I mean, it's actually kind of cool. The the way that they chose to animate all of this is done really well. Yeah, and, um, and he ends up getting a really big head. And he talks to the other uh, rescue rangers. Basically, he's like, look, you guys can be my sidekicks if you want to be, but I don't really need you guys. And then the rescue rangers all get butthurt, and uh, they essentially abandon Dale. And then Dale yeah. gets in trouble because... The other piece of the meteorite goes to this really sleazy salesman guy. He is a travel salesman. Tra travel agent. And the guy decides to use his power to steal a bunch. He does like a super cliched supervillain move and he steals a bunch of world monuments. See girls, these tourist attractions are worth a fortune. And if this little lady was missing, I bet New York would pay a bundle to get her back. And I'm just the guy to take her. Like, like... Just name some cheesy world monument that you would see a, a, in a snow globe. Essentially, and like, that's what he stole. Yeah, it, he essentially pulls like a Carmen San Diego thing and Statue of Liberty, the Sphinx, Golden Gate Bridge, and Big Ben. He also steals the yeah the, the Golden Gate Bridge one is the fucking stupidest, I think. But anyway, so he steals all that stuff, and because he's wearing a suit, a purple and green suit that looks similar to Dale's suit, everybody thinks everybody Dale. thinks Dale has stolen all the things. So he. Goes back to the rescue rangers and is like, you guys got to help me. They all think that I'm a thief. I love where the, the guy takes uh, and hides all of the, the the monuments that he stole. Yeah, he goes to Arizona. And this is so stupid because uh, Gadget is able to figure out where... Or, or no, is it Monty that it's, like... Monty dips his finger in some sand? He tastes some sand and he goes, oh, it's in Monument Valley, Arizona. I was like, what? No, no, he says he says something like... He says something like, this reminds me of when I was hanging out with some Gila monsters in Arizona. And then Chip says like, oh, Arizona, I know where he's hiding them. And it's Monument Valley, Arizona. You know, because so, that's where they put the monuments. Yeah. Now, when they are in the salesman's office, they're in the salesman's office. I don't know if you picked this up. Did you pick anything up weird about that? Or, or anything like weird details? Maybe. Go. Okay. So, <laughs> so here's what I... This is what I picked up. 
they they track the bad guy down because they find a flyer from his shop at um, the at the Statue of at Liberty. The Statue of Liberty. So he's got a flyer from his shop in his pocket now. No, it was in his shoe. Remember, okay, in his shoe, whatever. So the flyer they say shows that his shop is at the corner of Lancashire and Coquanga. Those are L.A. streets. Yeah, in fact, those streets uh, they come to like a like a three point. They they actually merge into one. Is that is that the Disney Animation Studio? No, in no, Burbank. No, it's so it's in L.A. and and actually at the corner. If you look at it, so if if you like look at the map, if you're heading northbound. Where Kahuanga and Lancashire merge in the little triangle there is a Toyota dealership. And then on the north end is some random bar and grill. And on the south side is a Mexican restaurant. Now, that's right up against the L.A. River uh, and the 101 freeway. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right on the other side of the L.A. River is basically Universal Studios and the Universal oh. Studios lot. Okay. Um, which I thought... So, that means one of a few things. One, the Rescue Rangers live in New York and flew to L.A. within a matter of minutes. Yeah. Two, that they live in L.A. And it's a weird alternate reality L.A. in which they have all the greenery and large buildings and waterways like you would find in subways like they have in New York. Yeah. Uh, Because there are other episodes in Rescue Rangers where they show them at, like, the Brooklyn Bridge. Or, option number three... They could bend space and time. I think three. I picked. Three. I'm gonna go with three. That's yeah. a, those are our three options. So they uh, they rig up. I know that's a weird tangent to go. No, on. no, it, it but, makes but sense. But it's I... weird that they would mention those two streets in L.A. They, so the bad guys in L.A. and they're at the Statue of Liberty, and they get to the Statue of Liberty from from wherever Dale is doing his thing within like a matter of moments. So I thought that they all were always in New York. Yeah, I thought so too. You know? Which okay, so yeah, it's 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 I weird. know it's weird, but it's just did you what did you think of that last fight with the bad guy and Dale? So it was it was actually pretty entertaining. Like Yeah, I da- thought so too. Dale and so Dale and the uh and the, the bad guy, they Seymour is his name. They end up they have the same power. They have the same stretching power and they do like they turn into balls and bounce into each other. Dale like blows his fist up and punches him and they have this this whole battle. All the while the rest of the rescue rangers are are setting up this long rope to essentially tie onto him and and do this comical thing where he goes through all the monuments and smacks into a bunch of stuff and then basically knocks him out. So Seymour defeats Dale and takes his takes rock. his rock. Yeah. And he's like, I'm gonna be twice as bouncy. Yeah. And then he goes through all the things, gets smacked around, gets knocked out. And then Gadget sets up like a homing beacon on the on the Statue of Liberty or the Eiffel Tower, one of the two. And she's like, there, now all the authorities will know where the monuments are. Like, how the fuck are they gonna get them back? They can't. Yeah, they can't. Monument Valley is is the permanent home of all those things now. That Dale could have moved them with the rock. He probably could have, but the rock's got uh, blown up or they got smashed yeah but they could have they, they could, could have. have so that was my first episode um i picked it because i remember dale as the superhero really that was what stood out uh rubber bando the superhero um my second episode is from later on in season two it was actually a couple episodes later called good times bat times season and two episode 39. season two episode 39 and i did not know that it is the third highest rated episode According to fans. Yeah, so apparently we just have accidental good taste. Yeah, no, so uh, this this is uh, this is an episode where they have a witch named Winifred who kind of... Well, who goes by the name Freddy. Fred, no, that she hates that name. I know, but everybody else calls her Freddy and she yeah. hates it. And she has three, uh, three sidekicks, animal familiars. There is a snake... Did you notice who voices Freddy, by the way? Is it? It's Tress McNeil. Yeah, she voices everybody. Yeah, I know she does. But but the voice that she used is the same voice as the main witch uh, uh, bad guy way back when we covered My Little Pony. She uses the same. Oh voice. yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what I remind. Like the 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 character design for the witch was familiar to me, and I can't yeah. remember who it was from. Maybe it's an homage. I don't know. Maybe. She's so, also she's not just a, a a witch though she is a cleaning lady. She's a cleaning lady that got fired for, from a li- from a library for not for being bad at her job basically. Yeah, and she flies around on a vacuum cleaner, and she has three animal familiars. She has a snake named Bud, a- and a spider named Lou, and a bat named Foxglove. 
And I thought it was funny. So the snake and the bat, or the snake and the spider are named Bud and Lou. And they are, their voices are modeled after Bud Abbott and Lou yeah, Costello. Yeah, you texted me that. And then yeah. after you told me that, I, I you're right. It totally is. Yeah, because if, you, if you've never seen Abbott and Costello, Bud Abbott is the straight man. He's like the, the very serious, stern, like, like, what are you doing? You're, you know, kind of like... You can't really say Mo from the Three Stooges is a straight man because he's goofy too and he sort of, does yeah, a lot of slapstick. Yeah, yeah. But in, in classic like duo comedy, you had a straight man that would set up the jokes and the, and and the funny him. man who would do yeah. like the, the punchline. So Bud Abbott was the straight man. He had a very serious voice, which the snake did. And then uh, Lou Costello was the like, you know, Lou Costello was like the curly Howard, you know, the, oh, Bud, Bud. Bud, speak to me. Speak to me, Bud. And they they voice him that way. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Bud! Hey, buddy! I told you not to bug me when I'm aiming. So they're tasked, all the animals are tasked with finding this in, these ingredients for a magic spell that Winifred, that Freddy, is trying to do to become a true witch. Yeah. So what happened was she... she it turns out that... The cleaning lady basically got fired from her job uh, because she was studying magic in a library instead of cleaning the library. Yeah. So now she's going to seek her revenge by actually being good at magic, which she wasn't good at magic in the first place. Yeah, I love all of her magical implements. Like like I said, instead of flying on a broom, she flies on a uh, vacuum, vacuum cleaner. cleaner. That she purchased. Instead of having a magic wand, she uses a toilet bowl cleaner. It's, it's kind of funny. I, yeah. I, I thought it was entertaining. Now, the other character, her other quote, sidekick, isn't really a sidekick. It's a foxglove. Yeah, foxglove. Now, foxglove, the foxglove is named after a flower, actually. Mm -hmm. It's a shrubbery. And foxglove is voiced by a woman named Deborah Wally, uh, who was known for the Beach Party films. Uh, she was uh, in Gidget Goes Hawaiian and Beach Blanket Bingo. And apparently her character, foxglove, is super popular with the hardcore Rescue Ranger fans. And she's only been in one episode. So much so that she was added to the comic series in 2010 as a result of the fan request. Yeah, so Fox... So now she's like a sort of ongoing character within the comics. So the thing about Foxglove is, and, and this is part of the reason that I picked it too, so Foxglove falls in love with Dale. And Dale kind of sort of returns her affection a little bit. He's a little weirded out about it at first. At because, first, but then he's but like, yeah, he, he's she's not bad looking and she wants to make a baby. So let's, yeah, let's, let's make some weird flying chipmunk. Oh God. Hybrid. <laughs> it would look so weird. <laughs> yeah. So Fox Club, like her, her voice is, is like very unassuming, very soft and very casual. Like, yeah. Very casual. She, she but is. But then she like hardcore hits on Dale. Yeah. <laughs> Very welcome. Uh, did you get something in your eye? Only you, big boy. She doesn't. She's not evil like Freddy and Bud and Lou are. She is more of like a good character that sort of felt fell in with the wrong crowd. And she says she says so in effect by saying that uh, before Freddy came, she had no friends, and Freddy was her only friend. But now that she's with the Rescue Rangers, or she's friends with Dale and the Rescue Rangers, that, like, she realizes that she can be good and she doesn't have to do whatever Freddy tells her to. So, uh, Freddy collects, essentially, all of the ingredients except for one. She needs a moon rock. And she gets the moon rock. She loses the moon rock. And then she gets it back. And, essentially, she is going to put this moon rock in her, her witch's brew and it's going to, like, make her a true witch. And Dale and Foxglove end up thwarting her plans by dropping a, a, a screw a bolt, I think. yeah a bolt. bolt or a screw into the thing which screws up the whole magic pot and blows get, up get it yeah. get it D screw, screws up oh i didn't even do that on purpose oh, no. uh, so um they win and they go back and foxglove is teaching dale how to fly with a hang glider and that's how the episode ends like she yeah dale picks up chip and then chip uh, they're flying and Fox Love comes up and goes like, Dale, I told you the glider can only hold one person. And then they fall and that's the end. And then that's the end. I just, I was thinking about this earlier today. I thought it was interesting about this episode that in this episode, so the animals all talk to each other all the time anyway. Right, right. In every episode, the animals talk to each other. But humans, humans generally don't understand what the animals are saying because they're animals. But this one. In does. this one, Freddy understands what all the animals are saying. Well, and in the other episode you picked, the animal, the the guy understood what the animals were saying too. 
Didn't he? Did he? I don't know. I felt like he did. Dale never talked, though. Oh, okay, yeah. That makes sense. He would just, like, give a thumbs up and then fly away. So, okay, yeah. But, yeah, this episode is weird in that the human, at least one of them, the only one, she interacts. Maybe it's because she's quasi-magical. She interacts with her familiars and talks to them, and they talk back to her because she gets mad at one of them. for She gets mad at the snake for calling her Freddy instead of calling her Winifred. Yeah, and so, she like gives like a, a speech to to Foxglove at some point, and Foxglove and, pleads with her to not hurt. So Dale. they, so there are humans that have, uh, you know, Doctor Doolittle powers. Yeah, Sophia I, the First powers. Yeah, I feel like there's a there's a character that we didn't mention called Professor Nimnol, who uh, who can talk to the animals. He too. seems like he can talk to the animals, and he has like a nephew named Normie that I think can talk to the animals too. It's 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 weird. Yeah, but well, those are my episodes. Let's. So before we kind of discuss what we think about it, let's maybe, I want to discuss maybe the theme park rides. Yeah, like I, I know you brought this up before and I had totally When we talked about gummy about bears it. and you forgot about it and then, then you re-remembered it. I so, re-remembered, yeah. So Autopia if is never, one of the few rides, it's an original Disneyland ride, opened in 55. And there used to be two Autopias, a Fantasyland version and a Tomorrowland version. And the Fantasyland version kind of went through different names. Um, eventually, they both got shut down in 99 and merged together in 2000. Now, the Fantasyland version was exactly the same as the Tomorrowland version. Just had slightly different themes. Mm-hmm. The Fantasyland version was the one that got turned into the Rescue Rangers Raceway. But it only lasted for one year, from 91 to 92. And by then, the show was already canceled. Yeah, I remember it because this was in the heyday of me going to Disneyland a lot. My, my grandmother used to work for Disneyland, so she would, ab- she would be able to get us in for free. Which is pretty awesome. It is pretty yeah. awesome, given how much it costs to get into Disneyland now. Oh, God. So yeah. we would go to Disneyland a lot. You know, either my grandparents would take us or family we would get in. She could let in a couple people a day. So I totally remember it. They had, like, cutouts and stuff of the Rescue Rangers on the ride. Yeah, and they 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 were just like plywood painted cutouts. Yeah, so that's yeah, all yeah. they were. Um, but there is also a Gadget's Go Coaster too. Yeah, that's in um, Toontown. That's in Toontown. So Gadget's Go Coaster is, I believe, it holds the record as the shortest ride in the it park. It is super short. Um, it's done in it like is definitely not the shortest line. Yeah, um, it's done in like twenty seconds. My my kid, uh, she's big enough to ride that because she's not big enough for she's not tall enough for Space Mountain or. Big Thunder. Big Thunder yet. So she has to be 42 inches, I think, to ride those. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's like 39 inches. So she's not tall enough to ride those yet. But she loves that ride. So what we like to do when we go is go in like a time of the day that's like slower. And we'll just sit there and ride it three or four times. Get it out of her system and then go do something else. Like 11 a.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah, but she'll just, she'll throw her hands up in the air. She screams and hollers. It's a fun ride, and there did used to be a uh, Chip and Dale treehouse in Disneyland. Yeah, also. yeah, they did. The house is still there, but but there was a ball pit. It was like the uh, Chip and Dale's Acorn Ball Pit or something. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but it's just an empty space now. It just sits there, does nothing. There, there are also two uh, NES games. So, and this is another one where I played the first one, and I don't think I ever played the second one, even though I have the Disney Afternoon thing on my Xbox. And you should; it's fun. Um, the The first game uh, came out June of ninety in Japan and North America, December of ninety one in the EU, and sold one point two million copies. Uh, made by Capcom, just like Ducktales. Uh, the reviews were good, but conflicting with some saying the game was too easy. And too short, while others saying that it was hard. And I remember Rescue <laughs> Rangers... was not hard at all. <laughs> when I was... So, this game came out, we weren't that old. No, we And weren't. I remember playing it when it came out and thinking, this game is hard. And then a couple years later, I still had it, and I played it, and I was like, this game is not hard. It's My a, skills had improved. It's a game um, that you can probably beat in an hour and a half. And the second game is like the first one. No, you can actually, if you're just playing it, Straight through, no no dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can make it through in under twenty minutes. Really? Uh huh. See, I well, you no. can be you can beat the first Mario Brothers in uh like under ten minutes. The first well, so. when I played it, when I downloaded that for Xbox, when I played it, I I actually went through and I played every single level because it's like a it's like you can choose what level you want to do. So I ended up just picking every single level because I wanted to play through them you all. Said screw it, yeah, yeah, and that's probably why it took me like an hour, hour and a hour and twenty minutes or something to do because I was just going and I was enjoying the game and not just speeding through it, but. 
It wasn't hard. Really no, at all. if you're looking for a hard, just side note for a second, if you're looking for a hard, difficult side scroller for NES, uh, Batman the video game for NES, which I've actually beaten. Huh. Yeah, yeah, you can all bow down to me now. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, or Silver Surfer the game, which is fucking hard as balls, and I, I'm just gonna throw in the towel right now because that game's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. uh, I, there's not a whole lot of trivia on this except for the fact that I know that originally this show was going to be a originally it was pitched as a project to be done about the rescuers yeah the the rescuers from 1972 three and then the, it turns out that they were working on rescuers down under so it just it didn't happen and so they very quickly said oh shit we gotta do this show we've already done everything else yeah and so and so then we end up with chippendale um what what do you think about this show so this show to me is of the shows we've watched so far... For Disney? For Disney. This show, to me, is very much, so far, has been the one that is the most sort of, like, carefree and innocent. Like, the the show centers around... The show centers around uh, crimes and stuff committed to and against dog, like, animals. Committed by and against and humans, animals. Yeah. Some humans, but it's usually an animal element. Really quickly, uh, before, before you continue that thought... Uh, there is a scene uh, in the superhero one that you mm-hmm. uh, picked where Dale foils a robbery or a, a something in a pet, st- pet shop. Right? Yeah. There's some dogs. Did you notice that the reference to 101 Dalmatians? It's very ab- I did not. brief and a little obscure. I did not. So the dogs say that they're going to make the rescue rangers so that they look like the perfect canine crunchies. Huh. Now, canine crunchies are the dog food snack that is featured in a jingle on the TV in 101 Dalmatians. Don't ask me why I know that. Go away. <laughs> but, but it is. Uh, this is, it's just like something that I noticed. I didn't, this is not a, like a look it up. Like if yeah. you just watch 101 Dalmatians enough, like you'd know. But I'm sorry. I don't mean no, to no, sidetrack. No. It's just so, very so weird. The show, the show is, to me, the show is just fun. It, it's fun. There's nothing offensive about it. It's it's not like innocuous because it, it does pull you into whatever the, the but it also is. doesn't like emotionally challenge you either. No, like not at all. It, it's it's very much a show that like I feel like the age range could be four to nine age range because uh, four to eleven maybe. Yeah, but still, be, yeah. because it, it doesn't usually deal with any kind of mature topics. It is bright and shiny. It uses cute animals. Um, it does have it does have somewhat compelling storylines. Yeah, I mean, it's not that the show's poorly written. No, 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 not at all. It's just, it's just not something that you would probably watch if you were, if you didn't have memories of it, one, or if you were above a certain age. There's really no reason to watch it. It's more of a, it's more of a kid show than it is a show that you can watch for a long time. Yeah, I would say, so, because I had Eleanor watch this show, and, and then, so she actually watched a show like a while back, and then... She was tall enough to ride Gadget's Go Coaster, so we took her on it. And that was like the selling point to get her to ride the ride. Indoctrination. <laughs> uh, but she she likes the show, but I think she definitely likes DuckTales better. And she likes Gummy Bears better. And both of those and shows I have actually, more compelling storylines. And lines. to be fair, I agree with her. Yeah. Uh, Chippendale's a fun show. I'd say it's fun. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's good, harmless fun, but it's not... I don't think... It's as, I mean, it definitely holds up. It's not like got any stuff in it that's dated. Yeah. But I don't think it's as good a show as people maybe remember it to be. Yeah. I remember this show as being the tits. Yeah, I do too. I did. And and watching it again, I would say, like, I can't really think of a ton of negatives for the show. It's animated really well. The background music's great. The voice acting is awesome. It's just that you don't, I don't have any moments where i'm watching it and go huh and like rethink a position about my life yeah as an adult <laughs> as, as an adult looking back on the show that i watched when i was younger i would probably say it's like a 6.5 out of 10 oh i would say higher six seven maybe i would definitely 10. well i mean i would definitely say like i would say it's like a good solid 7.8 okay uh I, that's my own opinion out of 10 i you know, if I'm going to say DuckTales is like a 9, 
or a 10 or something. There are other shows that are in, that are below DuckTales uh, that are above above this show, but I feel like there's a lot of stuff that is underneath this. Yeah, so, absolutely. Like if I'm going off of like a if I'm going off of a, a curve, if I'm grading mm-hmm. on a curve here, uh, Rescue Rangers is still like towards the top of the curve. It's still it's a good show. Yeah. I'd definitely recommend it for for kids. I'd say if you want to go back and watch one or two episodes, you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. That's fun, and then turn it off and walk away, and maybe revisit it now and again. Cool. Yeah. Don't don't make this maybe part of your regular viewing. I think you'll not enjoy it as much as you think you will. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a good show to to revisit, but don't spend a ton of time on it um, because it's it's just gonna it's gonna mar your uh, your your rose colored glasses. But I, I think that'll do it for this episode. Uh, so if you want to find us and talk to us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at remasteredcast. That is at remasteredcast. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Childhood Remastered. Please rate us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The rating really helps us out. Yeah, and we'd also like to thank John Howarth for the use of our intro music, Nascent. You can find links to his SoundCloud on our website, childhoodremastered.com. So until next time, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you next time. Bye.